everybody. This is the Ballers on Tap podcast. My name is Evan Kelly. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. AJ Williams. What's going on, y'all? And we are on to week two of the podcast. I think uh, last week's show was a success. Wanted to uh, get over here and bring you week two. In week two, we're going to be covering a little bit of MLB, going over the Braves, um, kind of what's going around in the league. Also, we got to touch on the Masters. That just happened this past weekend. Um, Patrick Reed came away with a, a pretty clean victory there. And then, of course, we're going to get into NBA as the regular season's winding down. Uh, by the time you hear this, the regular season will be over and we will be ready for the playoffs. So, I'd like to welcome you again to week two of Ballers on Tap podcast. Please go ahead and subscribe to us. You can find us on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Um, subscribe rate us go ahead leave us a review if you'd like let us know what beer you think we should try on next week's show you can also find us on the stitcher app if you have an android phone of course you can always go to www.ballersontap.com and listen to us directly there and of course you can come find us on twitter we are at ballers on tap so of course the on tap section you know we got to try out a new brew this week uh, we got a couple of suggestions last week, and the one that won out, shout out to Chris Mallett. He said, you know what, there's a great brewery here in Atlanta. It's one of his favorite places he goes. I've not had the opportunity to make it there yet. Yeah, me neither. But it's a sour beer, and this comes from Orpheus Brewing. I've never had any Orpheus, have you? So I've had one. Um, okay. Just very recently, not the one we're trying here today. It, it was a completely different flavor, but they are definitely their uh, their own brand. They don't taste like anything else. Again, uh-huh. a lot of what they do really, really reflects on the, the sour okay. aspect of the I beer. Gotcha. So it's not like a traditional IPA like we did last week or um, kind of an amber or a lager. Nothing like that. So without further ado, the one we are trying today from Orpheus, it's... Atalanta. It's a tart plum saison. And for those of you who don't know what that is, because I did not know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a first it's French for season and it's a traditionally a pale ale, usually either fruity or spicy. And that's exactly what this one is supposed to be. It's of course plum. So there's your fruit and uh, it's time for us to try it out. So let me go ahead and uh, crack this one open. Yeah, and I want to say real quick, we really appreciate you guys' feedback as far as listening to the show, what we should talk about, and also the beer. We're always going to listen. Just hit us up on Twitter. We'll definitely get back to you on that. Uh, again, this is a community aspect. We want to be in communication with everybody. Um, again, it doesn't have to be beer. Like AJ said, let us know what you'd like us to cover, um, a story you're interested in hearing our takes on. And of course, if you have any suggestions, we will always go with those and we'll give you a little shout out like we did today for uh, Mr. Chris. Yeah, we'll, we'll help you get your followers up on Twitter. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So here we go. Try out this uh, this Atalanta. All right. What do you what do you think? Um, you can definitely tell it's a sour beer. It kind of tastes like. Um, some fermented fruit. You can definitely taste the plum in it. Yeah, it's, it's very, very heavy on the plum. Again, this is not like anything else 
um, I've ever had before. Yeah, I'm, it's like, not even close to anything like, I've like ever had. Last week's we had the the Sweetwater IPA. That was just a very straightforward IPA, very yeah. hoppy. Um, again, with this being a pale ale, the fruit really really stands out on it. And again, yeah, you the, get, it's definitely it definitely has a fruity taste to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely the fruit. And then again, um, Orpheus, they kind of specialize in this whole sour beer aspect. So with this being a tart plum, um, it it's just sweet enough to where you can taste that plum, but it is very, very tart, very where, sour, almost yeah. like a kind of some of the lemon beers that are, it, yeah, have become really popular. It kind of reminds me of. So it, exactly. it's that same tartiness. If you've ever had um, like the, the Linen Hugels or um, even the Creature Comfort, they yeah. have a lemon beer. So if you've ever had any of those, it's, it is similar to that tartiness, but definitely with plum. Um, again, I have not had anything like that, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I kind of, enjoy it yeah it is it is pretty good um it's 5.25 percent alcohol so that's what i always look at when i'm trying new beer (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you could definitely taste that fruit in it and it's not an overpowering fruit either which then you could start to get like and it's too sweet for me but it's definitely there yeah it it is definitely an ale it's not like say for example you know you have a red apple ale yeah, compared like a, to a hard com- compared to a cider because yeah. I mean a cider is very sweet almost mm-hmm. like apple juice where red's apple ale has more of that the ale taste yeah. that's how how this is this is not a sweet juice it's not like a, a wine tasting it's it's much more tart and you still have that ale aspect to it yeah yeah personally um, it's not something I I'm crazy about but it is a good beer. I'll give you that, and that's that's, and that's the, the whole point of this is where we're trying something new every week. Yeah, and like yeah, every week we're not going to like what what our listeners suggest, but that's just part of the show, and that's what we like. We like that input. This might be somebody's favorite beer, but just our opinion on it. Not so. Well, my opinion on it. Yeah, AJ's opinion. My opinion. I I do enjoy it. Um, the tart aspect definitely it gets to me. It's a little strong on that yeah. end, but. I'm not not liking it. I'll say that. Like I'm, I'll, I could definitely kick back and and drink a few of these. Yeah, it's not the worst thing I've had. Like if somebody hands me hands me one, I'm going to drink it. <laughs> and again, it, it's just a sour beer. That that's their their specialty. Um, I I enjoy it though. I I could definitely drink those. I'm. It might not be my first choice at the at the rack, but I like it. Yeah. So I got you. Little, little different opinions there, but that's all right. Again, appreciate Chris shouting out the Orpheus and uh, probably make sure we have to get down to that brewery someday. It's located right near Piedmont Park for those of you who know Atlanta. Um, so that that's two weeks in a row we've done local Atlanta breweries. We're definitely not just focusing on that. Yeah. Trust me, we will expand our horizons. Um, so that's just a little coincidence there, but hey, we're, we're more than happy to, to kind of support those Atlanta breweries as well. All right, so moving on from the ale, let's touch on the Masters. Uh, Masters was this weekend. Again, we kind of talked about how springtime in America, you think baseball, nothing more American mm-hmm. than that. But maybe the one thing that rivals the true arrival of spring in, is the Masters. Is the Master. Yeah. So Masters in Augusta over the weekend. Um, I'll let you take it from there, AJ. First off, let's uh, touch on just kind of a broad picture. What what did you see? Well, I'd like to bring up last week in our hangover of the week. You were tired about hearing Tiger and how well he was hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. But I was on that bandwagon. I was all for Tiger, and I thought he was going to do something this week. 
this mm-hmm. weekend. Um, turns out he finished 32nd, which you said on Sun. You said by Sunday he won't even be in the picture, which you were right. I think Thank he you. hit well. <laughs> he hit well. It kept people engaged because so many people are rooting for Tiger. All over our Twitter feed, you're sitting there hoping for Tiger. Oh, any any story I saw on Twitter talking about the leaderboards or, or the standings, without a doubt, every time there's somebody replying to the tweets, where's Tiger at? What's Tiger doing? He, he still is the biggest draw even now with oh yeah for sure so yeah he he kind of did what i expected he he finished middle of the pack um like i said he's still a pro golfer and he's still better than you or i or mostly anybody will ever be but he's not in that elite group that at the end of the day on sunday you're going to be paying attention to him yeah and i i think it's kind of time to start to shift the focus to like these younger guys yeah and that's in what I talked about last week, I said you had the names. You had Jordan Spieth. You had Rory McIlroy, um, Ricky, Ricky Fowler. Yeah. All those guys were there at the end. They were in the hunt. It was exciting. And it there's definitely that new generation of stars. Um, I mean, Jordan Spieth, I think, is probably the biggest right now. Yeah, I, I Young do guy from Texas, sponsored by Under Armour, making all this money. He's won the Masters before. So he he's obviously I think the biggest name, um, but let, let's touch on real quick Patrick Reed. Not necessarily the biggest name. No, he's not. He he came into Sunday looking pretty good. He pretty much kind of I wouldn't say coasted, but he had it under control he, the whole weekend. It, it basically got to the point where it was his to lose. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I said while I was watching it while it was it was winding down on Sunday. I thought. Wow, Patrick Reed, if he can just keep his composure, yeah, that's he's all, got this. That's all he had to do. But, but we we talk about it like it's so easy, and I don't know what it is about this tournament, this course. I mean, I know this is a real narrow course, but this tournament, just kind of the pedigree that comes with it, it gets in people's heads. And, I mean, yeah, Speed, Speed famously had that meltdown um, the other year where – he he was playing, he was in the lead, and then he just completely melted down yeah. towards the end. So, and I will say, golf is the most mental game out of to me any of the sports where you start overthinking one aspect of your swing or something gets in your head and you get upset about it and it just kind of collapses from there. Yeah, and I feel like I mean we both play golf. Playing golf, even in a tournament, you see these professionals, they might shoot five, six, seven under in the lead on Friday, and then Saturday they shoot seven over. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. And then you have a guy like Patrick Reed who gets on a run and you're just feeling it all weekend. Yeah. So, like I said, it was his to lose, but Jordan Spieth made a run there. Jordan Spieth came in to Sunday. He was he was not in the lead and he just went berserk Yeah. on he, Sunday. He shot a 64 with nine birdies. He bogeyed the last hole. It's just a remarkable round. He, he would have set the record. He was one, one shark away from tying yeah. the record. For a round in the Masters. Yeah. In post-game, post-game, I guess post-match maybe? Post-round. <laughs> Post-round post, post round interview, he said he never looked at the scoreboard at all. He just went into Sunday saying, I'm going to play my best game, and I'm not going to worry about any of the outside distractions. So when he looked up and realized, wow, I do have a chance to win this if Patrick Reed, like we said before, it was his to lose. Mm-hmm. And – it was tough watching it. Spieth came in, 
18th hole on the green had a it wasn't a long putt by no, maybe any like, means. Maybe like 10, 12 feet. If yeah, that. If that. Yeah. If that. And uh, he just missed it right on right on the edge of the cup. And if he would have made that, not saying he would have won, but if he would have made that, he would have tied Patrick Reed. And then Patrick Reed still had a few holes to go. Yeah. He, who's, who's to say what that pressure on him might have done those last few holes? Oh, yeah. He could have He could have folded, but again... Spieth missed that hole. All of a sudden, there's not that pressure on Patrick Reed. Okay. And he plays just fine through the rest of the rounds. Um, I will say Ricky Fowler did he got, great. He, he had a great round, too. Spieth, when he walked off the course, he was in second place. By the time uh, Ricky Fowler finished with Patrick Reed, he was at second. Yeah. And I think uh, as far as Spieth kind of saying where I'm just going to go out and play my best game, I'm not going to worry about it. I feel like I would have that kind of mentality too because when he started the day, he knew he couldn't win it. Mm-hmm. Oh, mathematically he could, but he knew he was like, I'm just going to go out here and try to finish as best as I can. If he, Yeah, and it took a historic round for him to get to where he yeah. could have won it, but that's with him not looking at what's, what's the score looking like. Yeah, and like I said, he was saying that he never looked at the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. He knew he had a good round. So that's why you can look at the video – and see when he bogeyed that 18th, he was upset upset about it because he, he had in the back he had to in the back of his mind like man I'm putting together a damn good round and maybe this is part of him maturing something he learned after his meltdown exactly just before yeah on the same exact I was course say the same thing so maybe that's something again a little older a little more experienced um, just kind of take those lessons from those losses and and move on but he looked good I know is it, it was a pretty disappointing day. For Rory McIlroy, he was coming in. A lot of people were looking at him to to take it, and he just did not perform. But again, he was still he was still up there in the leaderboard. And like we said, th- that's that new generation that's coming through. Yeah, I think it's time to start to shift the focus to. I mean, I get it, Tiger. I mean, and golf too. You can play till you're seventy years old. I mean, you look at you look at a guy like Fred Couples. Mm-hmm. He's still out there swinging it. Yeah. But you, you can play, and Tiger, you can play competitively. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Up there, and Tiger Woods, yeah, he has the biggest name besides LeBron James in sports. I mean, you look at all the ESPYS that Tiger Woods won for Athlete of the Year. So, no matter how old he gets, as long as he's playing golf, he will be somewhat of the center of yeah, attention. Yeah, so draw and and that's what I was trying to say last week was I was not upset with people being honest and just saying they want they want to watch Tiger. Yeah, that is fine. Yeah, and I, I get that. I get that. I heck, I do too. I want to see him and see what he does. I'm not coming across as hating on Tiger, but just don't tell me going into the weekend <laughs> how he ha- how good he's looking and how he's going to be up there. Yeah, how he's hitting the ball at the driving. Yeah, range. let's hey, let's all watch him and and have fun and enjoy it. And hey, let's be glad he's back at least finishing out these tournaments. Yeah, it's really good. For his, the sport. his body is back. I mean, Somewhat. that's debatable, but yeah, it's not what it was, but. Hey, he he's healthy enough to go out and play competitively again. He was middle of the pack. He he wasn't dead last. I don't think anybody expected him to be last. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's still fun to go watch Tiger. I mean, I I still want to watch him too. I'm not. That's that's my point. Is just don't tell me how good he's looking going into the weekend. Okay, there. Like you said, there's a whole new crop of guys that when I hear how well they're looking, that's what I'm looking forward to. Is okay. Who's who out of this new new guard is gonna 
rise to the top come Sunday. Well, yeah. So congrats to Patrick Reed on the Masters win. He's forever in the history books. He will forever have the green jacket. Yeah, and congrats to Patrick Reed. Um, I mean, I know he's a native Texan, but he did come to Georgia for school. He went to a UGA briefly and then transferred down to Augusta State, which so basically the Masters was in his backyard. And uh, he, I mean, he helped take Augusta State to a NCAA championship. So congrats to him. And like I said on the Twitter, he's walking home with that green jacket. And to me, that's, to me, that's for some reason makes this tournament bigger than any of the other ones is, yeah, you have a trophy, you have a cup, yeah. but it's the I don't, jacket. I don't know what it is, the psychology of it, but you put on that green jacket, you're in that exclusive club of the masters. Yeah. And I heard today that the other night of the Cleveland game, Patrick Reeve was courtside with the green jacket on. Oh, and I it, would be too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would do the same thing. You, that's the you, as far as golfers go, it's the biggest tournament you can win. Yeah, you you wouldn't be able to take that off of me. No, <laughs> I mean, I win that. I'm wearing it everywhere. So, and I mean, it's funny that that's such a huge tournament. Who would have thought? Just out of Augusta, Georgia. Okay, yeah, Augusta, Georgia. It, for those of you who haven't been there, there, there's not a whole lot in Augusta. It's a nice little town. It's right on the the border with South Carolina, but it's not one of these big big towns so yeah. if there was no augusta national there then you wouldn't know what augusta georgia no. is and shout out to uh my friends i know that that grew up in augusta they said that town gets packed out for that oh weekend. yeah I'm i sure. mean the locals i'm sure they love it it helps their economy and it's exciting but my friends used to say the town is just ridiculous you can't go anywhere well, you better fork out some money if you ever want to go or you better know somebody oh yeah if you want to oh, go yeah, yeah. So, hey, maybe you can make it to the uh, the practice rounds for a little cheaper. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's just the practice rounds. Yep. So, all right, again, congrats to Patrick Reed. We just wanted to touch up on the Masters again. Um, we're not covering golf a whole lot on here, but, again, well, that, you have that's, to cover the Masters. That, that's the biggest tournament. That's the most exciting come Sunday. It's, it's clutch time. I mean, always the most exciting tournament. Congratulations, Patrick Reed. All right, now we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to move to our hometown Braves. But before I start that, I got to talk about Shohei Otani and what he's doing over there in Los Angeles for the Angels. Hitting and pitching. He has two wins on the year pitching. They're both against Oakland. He's 2-0 with a 2.08 ERA. And this past weekend, he had a no-hitter through six with 12 Ks and one walk. Now, this is a guy coming from Japan. I was watching TV earlier. I heard A-Rod say he's making a mockery of the league. Yeah, he said, he said he's treating the league like a high school league. Yeah, because he's just stepping in and just making it look natural. He's and, 23. And you know there, there's skepticism about international player coming up. I mean, oh, Japan, yeah. baseball is their national pastime, but there's always skepticism coming over to, to the bigs, right? And he just won American League Player of the Week. Yeah, so this is one of those kind of rare cases he – Again, it's very early, but he is living up to the hype early on. I mean, you talk about his pitching, but even his bat has been on fire. Oh yeah, thus he, far he has the bat to back it up. Yeah, so so far, I mean, he's hitting uh, three eighty nine. He's got three home runs and seven RBIs already, and his on base percentage is at four twenty one. So I mean, this guy he's backing it up as far as I know. We talked about last week and his struggles during spring training. He's like, man, do we send this guy down? Do we, 
that you got to develop. But they thrown they thrown him in there, and he's shown up when and, it when it's mattered. And I think more importantly, he's showing. I know last week we were talking. I was still a little skeptical of, 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 of being a, a great two way player. Yeah, and he's showing that he he can do that. Again, he, he's making a mockery, and he's making the whole two way player look easy. So I'm coining this: Shohei is Showtime. That is. So any any time we're talking about him the rest of the year, we're saying Showtime Otani. Showtime Otani. That's it. So now let's move to the Braves. Braves had a very, very good weekend. I mean, they've had a very good start of the year. They won the first series against the Phillies, two games to one. They won the second series against the Nats, the high-powered Nats, two to one. And so they went to Colorado this weekend. Can I just say I'm I'm always happy when they beat the Nats? Oh, yeah, me too. (laughs) I mean, that's (laughs) – I don't think I, I dislike a team more. Yeah, and I say dis dislike nicely because I could easily use hate. But anyways, so they went to Colorado this weekend against the Rockies in the Coors Field. We all know that's a boombox for home runs. They win the first game in the snow. Might add, the weather was terrible. I'm surprised they actually played the game. Oh yeah, well I mean they had to they had to cancel games in Chicago. I mean oh yeah, there there's this, been this cancellations week, yeah, left and right. This week has not been a good week for for baseball. And yeah, a lot of teams are, are having their home openers this week, and it has just not worked out. Oh yeah. So right now, as far as the Braves, the offense is just clicking. They're second in the National League East behind the Mets. They're second in the majors in runs with 62, fourth in the majors in hits with 92, second in the majors with 59 RBIs. And I want to put a focus on a couple of players. For one, Ryan Flaherty, he's batting 375, which is third in the National League. And granted, this is another placeholder player. So he's not expected to do do this kind of stuff. And we got to talk about the turner, turnaround of Dansby at the plate. He's looked great. He's hitting the ball the other way, which I really love. Something he struggled with last year. He's hitting 351, and he had a great series against Colorado. He he They really couldn't get him out the whole series. So that brings me to Sunday. With Sean Newcomb, this is the person I'm I'm really hoping he steps it up in the rotation this year. And he did. He oh, did step oh, it yeah. up. He definitely did. He went six innings with no runs, nine Ks, and no walks. And he's only the third pitcher now, third pitcher in Coors Field history to do that, which was 2016 John Gray and 2007 another lefty, the big unit Randy Johnson. And is it just me or is it ridiculous just in my mind that Randy Johnson was still going that hard in 2007. I don't <laughs> yeah. know why in my mind I feel like he's from a whole nother era. I mean, I'm trying to think in 2007 he wasn't with the Diamondbacks still. Mm-mm. Yeah. He he had to been with the Yankees then. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think when he retired. But yeah, he, he is like a another age. Yeah, so again, just a quick tidbit. I just am surprised he was putting that up in 2007. Oh yeah. Well, another thing, Ozzie Osby, he leads the team in home runs with three. Now, that's not going to stay. I think Freddie will start hitting him at the ballpark. He'll catch up to that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Randy retired in 2009. Who was he with in 2007? The Yankees? I don't know yet. I got to look. <laughs> All right. We're checking that out. So, uh, another player I kind of want to put a spotlight on as far as not quite getting it going would be Ender. Uh, he's hitting 209 right now. He's a slow starter. He started last year. He hit 230 in the month of April. 
So he's kind of just kind of get his way into things. And I know Kurt Suzuki's kind of struggling at the plate as well. But then again, he just coming off an injury when he got hit by that pitch. All right, so it's saying Rain Johnson was sent back to the Diamondbacks in 2007. Okay. So, yeah, but it was from the Yankees. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yes. So he was on the Yankees come January, and uh, they traded him back to the Diamondbacks. So close. He was on the Yankees, but I, Diamondbacks. I knew, I knew it was something. I mean, I, I, I know a little bit about sports, I think. <laughs> All right. So, so again, a little tangent. Back to the Braves. Yeah, so like I said, they're second in the National League East behind the Mets. Now, I know they're in a series right now with the Nats. And Monday night, they got totally shut down by Max Scherzer. He looked unhittable. I mean, that was one of the best pitching performances I've seen in a long time in some really cold weather. He went a complete game. He only gave up two hits, no walks. And the Braves just, just kind of looked. You know, you're going to have this during a 162-game season where you just run into a pitcher where he's just unhittable. Yep. And that's going to happen. Up until now, they've had one of the hottest bats in the league. I mean, second oh. in the league, right? Oh, yeah. So, the only thing I'm worried about, I mean, at home, they've been playing great. They're 4-2 and two at home. On the road, they're 2-2. Two and two. And that's kind of what we were touching on last week. This is not supposed to be the strongest team. So, I mean, the, the fact that they're hitting this way up to this point is all is a surprise. Yeah, and, it's it's already got people like yeah. And, oh my gosh, we're so good. And, and it's it's a pleasant surprise. But again, the, the only thing I look at is are are they going to be able to kind of take that on the road, like they're hitting at home? Yeah, or and just maintain it. Oh yeah, I mean again, that's a long season. But hey, we we got in here at the beginning of the season, so we're we're going to talk about what's going on now and, and be happy with it. Um, but yeah, they're they're not supposed to be doing this. Yeah, and I'm I'm still worried about the pitching. I know I said Sean Newcomb had a great outing. Brandon McCarthy's pitched good. Anibal Sanchez, who he just called up from AAA, he's been doing really good. But Julio Tehran, he he started on Monday. He went. He had a rough first inning. The pitch that, count that, got the rid- first game was really rough. I mean, I oh, know yeah. he was disappointed. Fans were disappointed to see his season opener kind of go the way it did. Yeah, it, it was definitely not a good start to the season. And I know he. In his last start on Monday, he had a rough start. His pitch count got way up. And you just can't go deep into games when you throw in 35, 40 pitches in the first inning. He gave up two runs in the first. I will give him credit. He did settle down and started to get some strikeouts. He went six innings. But then again, as far as being able to get his team back in it, he gave them a chance. I will say that. But you just ran into get, ran into Max Scherzer, and there's not much you can do. So one thing I want to add about the Braves, the Ronald Acuna tracker. We're only a couple of days away. It's about that time. It's coming. And we talked about it last week as far as the offense is playing so well that you almost forget about him. But it's still going to be a fantastic piece to add. Yeah, last week we were talking about him coming up to add to the offense. Mm-hmm. Well, now the offense is already doing better than expected. So it's kind of like the cherry on top. Okay, right. we're already hitting great. Let's bring in another big-time hitter. I'm definitely going to be interested to see how long this offense can keep doing what they're doing. I don't think it could be season-long, which I'd love for it to be, but it's going to be fun to see. So, Acuna coming up, maybe he'll uh, inject a little bit of energy kind of offense into that, so maybe it does keep up a little longer than, than what we expected. Yeah, and that brings up another question. Like, If you brought him up today, where would you put him? 
So it's one of those things like Brian Snicker will have to figure some moves to make because the offense that's is why they make so the well. big bucks yeah that's, exactly that's, I, I wouldn't want to have to figure that out yeah um i don't think anybody's gonna be like freddie the other year saying okay I'm, i'll move to third um everybody's kind of got their spot right here they're not gonna move over for a, a guy getting called up that, that was a whole different situation where freddie was hurt um somebody was showing out already and he kind of bit the bullet and moved this is a whole different situation yeah snicker this is where he makes his money right here. Yeah, and like I said, it's going to be really interesting to see and fun to see as a Braves fan if we can keep this up. Yeah, Braves fans, it's exciting, doing better than expected. And um, again, it's a long season. Let's keep our fingers crossed and, and see how it goes. So real quickly, I did want to touch on one thing before we head into the hangover of the week. Just a quick shout out. I do have to shout out Atlanta United. Okay. They're playing great right now. They are. They're playing great. They're four and one on the season. But probably the big surprise that really shows you how high power they are was they played the LA football club the other day. Okay, not the Galaxy. This is LA's got two clubs. This is the football club's first year in existence, but I don't feel bad for them. Last year was our first year <laughs> and it was and we, we balled were, out. We balled out, exactly. <laughs> So Atlanta United, they came out, they put up five goals, five to nil, as AJ would say. Yeah. So I just wanted to shout them out real quickly. Atlanta United's looking good this year. Uh, I'm still wanting to make it to a game at some point. They are exciting, fun, not like any other sports experience, really. I mean, I love going to any type of sports game and have fun at all of them, but United is just a different kind of feel that – the club really set out to get that kind of European league feel that maybe not all the teams have in the MLS. But again, just shout out United's looking good th- thus far. Anything to add? I would say though, their far as their their offense is picked up right from where from the start of last year, and we have even inserted one of our foreign international signees this year, Ezekiel Barco which he's known as a goal scorer. And we haven't even inserted him yet. So we're going to have to find him playing time when he becomes fit. He's injured right now. When he gets healthy, and you can't even tell we're missing anybody because we still have this relatively the same squad that we had mm-hmm. last year, and we're not missing a beat. And I think one thing our – a big thing we struggled with last year was our defense. We would get up 3-0 when we let a couple goals go by. Now it's 3-2. So this year, I look at the Minnesota United game when they played up in Minnesota, up in the cold weather. They won 1-0. And their Atlanta United was under attack the entire game, and they were able to stand strong with that back. So that shows they don't just have to get into a shootout exactly. and try to try to outscore. That's 1-0 is much more of a kind of traditional, typical score. really shows you they hunkered down and protected what they needed to protect. Yeah, and that 1-0, I mean, they scored that one goal in the first 10 minutes. So you have 80 more minutes plus stoppage. And I was watching the game. Minnesota United did not let up. They were going, mm-hmm. they were attacking hard all game. And I think last year, that would be a game where we would have, we played more games where we have to outscore you. Now, I'm not saying our defense is bad, but I think our defense has gotten a lot better this year. It's showing improvement yeah, above last is. year, and that's all you can ask for. Oh, yeah. So, good job, Atlanta United. Keep it up. 
All right, so moving on. You know, it's that time again. It is the hangover of the week. Hangover of the week. Okay, so AJ, I know you got a hangover of the week, right? I, I know I'm tired I of it. I know I got one of the week. For those of you that didn't hear in our first show, the hangover of the week is just a story that's already given me a headache, making me tired. And this is a very new story, too. Yeah, my hangover is very new, but this is a story that's already making me feel like I have a hangover, and I'm ready to retire it. I'm ready to go ahead and hydrate and put this thing behind me. Um, but I have a feeling that with my hangover this week, it's going to be going on for a very long time. Yeah, this one ain't going away. No. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. This one's no matter how away. you hydrate, this was a stain. <laughs> Pedialyte's not going to do the trick this no, week. No, it's not. Okay, so let me go ahead. I'll go ahead and start it. My hangover of the week this week, and this story is brand new, just kind of came out over the weekend, really Monday and Tuesday of this week. There's a new possibility that there's going to be a Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather fight. In the UFC. Yeah, in the UFC. All right. So the first fight, boxing match. The second fight that's supposedly in the works, they're saying it's going to be a UFC fight. And I have a few reasons of why this is already giving me a hangover. Okay. First off, Conor McGregor over the weekend, well, last week, threw a divider through a bus window and injured other UFC stars. He had this big feud with one of the guys on the bus, busted up the window, cut up some people, messed up the UFC card for over the weekend, took some fighters out of the card, and Dana White comes out. And I'm a UFC fan. Dana White comes out. I don't know what McGregor's doing. It's embarrassing. I, he's I, I don't probably know. Probably never gonna fight. I don't again. know if he's gonna fight again. He was. We were playing in a fight, but now I don't know. This is crazy. Uh, McGregor actually turned himself into the NYPD. He was wanted on assault charges, and he turned himself in, uh, made bail, and dipped out of there. Okay, so again, part of it is Dana White saying, "I don't know if he's gonna fight again." Well, now all of a sudden. Uh, Monday and then really into Tuesday, there's a story coming out that it's very, very probable that Mayweather and McGregor are going to step into an octagon together. Now, to me, that's just a little hypocritical of Dana White. It almost makes it seem like all of that was staged. Now, it, it, I, does, it does look like that. It, it, it feels more WWE than UFC. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, McGregor causing all this trouble. Really, this is not a highly talked about card. Okay, there there hasn't been a whole lot of kind of talk around the UFC. There's not that star power when McGregor's not in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ronda Rousey was just in WrestleMania. Now, granted, she tried her UFC comeback. It didn't go as planned, but she was a big star, almost like Tiger. There's no debating that people watched when Ronda Rousey was on her run. So she she's not in the UFC anymore. She just went off at WrestleMania, and it was this big news event. This McGregor fight, to me, seems more like a money grab. And you can say the boxing match was a money grab as well. And I will completely agree with you. That was a circus of a press tour going around trying to 
build up those pay-per-view pre-orders. They know Connor and Floyd know what they're doing. They they know what they're doing, and they they both made so much money off that last oh, yeah. fight. And I don't blame I don't blame either one of them. Now, the thing about the first match that had me excited, they agreed to a boxing match. Connor went in; he trained as a boxer, and he went into the boxing ring and boxed. Mm-hmm. He did it by Floyd's rules that's that's Floyd's arena he's made his life as a boxer and Conor McGregor went in never boxed before and went and did his best and it was actually an entertaining fight yes for especially for about the first half there yeah I mean McGregor I think landed some hits on Mayweather that Mayweather wasn't expecting him to land and then honestly McGregor just got gassed out which was kind of expected but hey that was an entertaining fight now, the thing that is sickening me about this new one that I'm already over it. First off, the hypocrisy from Dana White. And again, I'm I'm a UFC fan. I'm almost kind of a Dana White fan as a kind of brash as he is, kind of in people's face. Yeah. I, I think he's done a good job with the UFC. I've, I've been a fan for probably the last 12 years since, I mean, Chuck Liddell was going off. And yeah. before Forrest Griffin was a household name, we were, me and my friends, we were watching UFC. So, the second part that's making me sick is these proposed rules. Apparently, Floyd's side is putting proposed rules for this new fight. Yeah, this is this is what I can't believe. Yeah. Like, if, yeah, okay, all right, you want to fight in the octagon? Go for it. So, here are the proposed rule changes from Floyd's side. So, f- even though it's in the octagon and they're saying it, it's going to be a... UFC a UFC fight. fighter, or at least an MMA fight in the octagon. They're going to be here, and again, these are proposed rule changes. This isn't official, but this is what's coming out. No kicks, no takedowns, no elbows, and no knees. Now, to me, that sounds like a boxing match. I would say so. Yeah. So what? What? As far as taking those things out, what part of that? Is that's left is MMA. The the biggest difference, their first fight was in a square that has four <laughs> sides. This next fight's gonna be in an octagon that has eight sides. Eight sides. And they, they think they're gonna be able to market it as an MMA fight. Now, the only difference that I've heard so far is that they can clinch. So basically I can grab you up, I can throw a couple blows to, to your head while yeah. we're clinched. Now you can't do that in boxing. That's dirty boxing. And and Connor even got called for it a couple times mm-hmm. in that last fight. But already, after seeing these, Floyd's a smart guy. He's made a career off of not getting hit. He's not going to jump into an octagon at, at his age yeah. and go to the ground, have Connor throwing kicks, trying to clinch him and knee him in the face. This is going to be a glorified boxing match in octagon. To me, it just looks like a money grab. And even more so now that this news is coming out, it makes all the events over the weekend just look like a big publicity event. I don't know. I'm already sick of hearing about it. Don't come to me the rest of the year talking about the McGregor fight. I was excited for the first one just to see how he did. Now I'm over it. Don't talk to me about this fight in the octagon when really all they're doing is boxing. You want to box? 
go do it in a boxing ring. Don't come at me and yeah, try. Don't, don't try to change the rules of the game for one match. Yeah, don't don't sell me on on a MMA fight if they're not doing MMA mixed martial arts. No, they're throwing hands. That's called boxing. <laughs> I'm done. Don't come at me with that. I I just gave myself a headache even talking about it. <laughs> AJ, take it over. All right. So this is my hangover of the week is the unwritten rules of baseball. Now, I know baseball season has just started up. It's a good time of year. And last week we talked about as far as the new timing rules that the MLB has enforced in these games or they should enforce. We talked about that. Trying to speed up that pace of play. Yeah, trying to get a younger generation into the game, people more interested. So what's the problem with as far as if you want people more interested in the game, why not more more bat flips? We need that showmanship in the sport to keep that crowd entertained. Um, one half of sports is the entertainment. Sports entertainment. Yeah, sports entertainment. So we, you know, as an unwritten rule in baseball, if you do a bat flip, the other team gets mad. The next time you come up, or even the next batter up to plate, gets thrown at. About 90, 95 mile hour pitch. So, I mean, that's dangerous. You can see that. So, you have these unwritten rules of baseball. This don't admire a home run. So, if you hit one, you might not flip the bat, but you sit there in the box, stare at it. Pitchers get mad. Don't stare at it a second too long. All of a sudden, it's a big deal. Exactly. One other unwritten rule is bunting when there's a pitcher has a no hitter. Now, I could see that. That the other team can see it as, oh, it's a cheap way to get a hit. But you're trying to win the game. It don't matter how great the pitcher's pitching. You're trying to get on base to help your team out. Another rule is don't steal bases when you're down a lot, which you if if you're down a lot, you get on base, you try to ma- help your team out. That's counter. Come back and win. Counterintuitive. Yeah, right? but also don't steal your bases while you're up a lot. Well, that's something I could see as far as you can look at any sport like padding on the score. But it brings me back to what Bryce Harper Bryce Harper used to preach is making baseball fun again. And if you make it fun again, you get rid of some of these unwritten rules. You're going to keep that younger crowd entertained. And one big thing that I saw this weekend, the ejection of Anthony Rendon. I don't know if you've seen it. He had two strikes on him. He's up at the plate. He takes a call third strike. Doesn't agree with it, which that happens almost every single bat in every single major league game. He doesn't agree with it. So he kind of stands there. It's the third out of the inning. He has time to kind of be mad about it. He takes a strike, sits there in the batter's box, still standing there, and he just flips his bat a little bit. He flips it in front of him. Not It didn't even go over his head. He, he didn't throw it. It, was, yeah, he, it wasn't a an obscene yeah. gesture. And he he didn't even say anything. He didn't even look at the umpire. He just flipped his bat and it fell on the home plate. So he's kind of standing there for maybe a second, two seconds. And the umpire throws him out of the game. So of course now he's mad. So now you're sitting there wondering like, what did he get ejected for? Umpire says the bat flip. So that's just one of those things like you want to cut down, cut down the timing of the game. Get these younger people into it. But we love these bat flips. We love when you hit a 500-foot home run. You deserve to admire that. Chicks dig the long ball. Chicks do dig the long ball. (laughs) We all know that. 
And you you deserve to admire that home run because for one, hitting in the major leagues is one of the most hardest things in sports. Anyway, you you look at a ninety five mile an hour fastball gets to gets from the pitcher's hand to the plate in point four seconds. Now you don't have point four seconds to make that decision to swing. You see it out of the hand. You might have point two seconds. It's halfway. You got to start your swing then. So, yeah, when a, a hitter accomplishes this, hits a 500-foot home run, let him brag about it. And I know the MLB can't, as far as what they have done in the past, they've made, if it's, if the if the hitter hits a long home run, let's say he admires the ball or has a bat flip, his next time up, if he's, you can tell when you're intentionally thrown at. If he's intentionally thrown at, the umpire will automatically eject the pitcher and that's happened before but it just comes back to i'm tired of these unwritten rules which it's america's pastime these are rules that's always been handed down just you're growing up this is the way you play but let's make baseball fun again and i don't like bryce harper i know there's been stories of maybe he might come to the braves during free agency which i would be a fan then but Let's make baseball fun again. And I'm tired of hearing about the unwritten rules of baseball, how you should play. If you want to have swagger out there, that's what brings people to the, to the stands. It's almost like it's become golf. Golf is the gentleman's game, right? Yeah, exactly. And Tiger, when he first came up, used to get hated on for for the arm pump, right? Mm-hmm. He kind of he had that showmanship. And look how many people are enamored with Tiger because he – took pleasure in his accomplishments. There's a big difference between being cocky and kind of unappealing, which Bryce Harper has towed that line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But having some showmanship, I mean, when did baseball become the gentleman's game? I mean, Babe Ruth pointing, calling his home run. Like, yeah. where, where is that at today? Or, or you do that today, you're going to get beamed by the pitcher. I definitely think, yeah, if you want to grow the sport, you gotta you gotta tailor to these guys who have these have this personality and not willing I mean not willing to put it to the side. Be themselves on the field and you're gonna attract more people and to I, the game. I will say the casual baseball fan, everybody knows Mike Trout is great. Mm-hmm. Between him and Bryce Harper though, Bryce Harper has that showmanship, has a little bit of attitude. Mike Trout does it the right way and he is a great player, but he's not bringing in any new viewers to the sport. I agree. I agree. Bottom line is make baseball fun again. Get rid of these unwritten rules. And that's my hangover of the week. I'm tired of it. I need some hydration, some new stuff. I'm sick of it. And that was your hangovers of the week. So moving on. It's getting right there. By the time you hear this, the NBA regular season will be over. We still have about one day left, so these playoff spots are not locked in quite yet. But let's go ahead and move on to the NBA. Um, again, come come Wednesday, oh, AJ's trying his next, next Orpheus. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> He hates them, though. He hates them. But yeah, like yeah, like you said, this is the best time of the NBA season. Playoffs are right at the cusp of, 
cusp of it. Most of the teams, the seeds haven't been locked up, but the teams are in. Yeah, as far as the East, you look at the Eastern Conference, both all conferences. Eight teams are, yeah, all eight teams are locked up. Western Conference, you got a big game on Wednesday. You got Minnesota and Denver. That game is a play-in game. Yeah, Wednesday is a play-in game. Um, again, by the time this is out, that will have been decided, but that will be exciting for us to see who who gets in Minnesota Denver. I know I'll be tuning in. Oh, yeah. Even though I'm not I'm not really keyed into either of those teams. I'm not rooting for any of them. That there's nothing better to me than that last game of the NBA season. Having a one team meeting. one team gets to extend the season, one team's going home. That never happens in professional basketball. It's not like March Madness where you have a, a one game elimination. Yeah. This is the closest we get to it and I love it. Yeah, it's like I mean, because you look at baseball, you look at basketball, you look at hockey, they're series. So one game playing, you don't it don't happen in the NBA. It, it doesn't get more exciting than that. So let's touch on the Eastern Conference real quick because um, just like we said last week, it's a little easier to digest than that craziness that is the Western Conference. <laughs> so right now in the East, you're looking at, again, Toronto has that first seed locked up. Boston has that second seed locked up. And we'll get to this in just a second, but Philadelphia is at that third seed as of Tuesday. Cleveland is at the fourth seed. Indiana is at the fifth seed. The Milwaukee Bucks are at the sixth seed. You have the Miami Heat down at seven and Washington at number eight. Now, like you said, all of those teams are locked into the playoffs. No other team in the Eastern Conference is going to be in the playoffs, but those seeds are not necessarily locked in. Um, basically, Philadelphia and Cleveland, they could switch it up. Yeah, they could switch. Indiana is pretty set at where they're at. Milwaukee, Miami, and Washington, those bottom three could all flip around in some way or another. Yeah, depending on how the last game goes. Yeah. Now, my take from that is it doesn't matter. Those bottom three seeds, they're going to get cut in that first round no matter what. I don't see any of those teams doing anything. Um, Milwaukee, whoever they play, might might give a little fight. Miami, I will say they've, they've been decent here. Um, I mean, Whiteside, Dwayne Wade... Once he got back to, back down to Miami, it was like the he team. was rejuvenated. Yeah. He's he's had some very nice plays here, um, the second half of the season. So they might give a little fight. Washington has has been unimpressive. I'm I'm not impressed. If with anything, them. they've been a, somewhat of a letdown. They have. I now mean, I know um, John Wall was out for John a Wall lot was, of the season. John Wall was out. Um, I mean, all the credit to Bradley Bill. I mean, he, he stepped up. Team. Yeah, he stepped up. He he's a very solid player likable player but Washington they're not going to give anybody a fit Miami and Milwaukee like I said they might they might make it tough for somebody yeah I don't I don't I still don't see any seven game series now possibly Boston whoever they play they could go to get a series and here's the big news that we right, as, right. as of last week as soon as I published the podcast the news came out. We were talking about it last week. Okay, if Kyrie comes back late first round, second round, does he help them at all? And then, of course, 
I, I was texting AJ all day as soon as I saw the story was possibly coming out <laughs> and then the story did break. Yeah. Kyrie is officially out for the playoffs. No more Kyrie. No more Kyrie. And I did hear something interesting today that he told the Cavs when he was trying to get traded that if you don't trade me, I'm going to go ahead and have this knee surgery. And I've heard that story is most likely true. So it looks like he's basically been playing on kind of a bad knee that's needed surgery all season. Yeah. And and he, he was doing great this season. Yeah. So it, it's almost kind of scary. That was on a bum knee. Or he, he at least he knew it needed surgery to get it to 100%. So the knee was worse than we were led on to believe. Kyrie's out. What do you think that does for Boston's chances? First round, second round going forward, do you, do you see them making any noise? Well, as it stands right now, they'd play Miami. I don't know Miami's been playing well. Boston, they'll get out of that series. Maybe, but that's a big toss-up. As far as you look at the series and how they are, how the seeds are now, as of Tuesday, you'd have Toronto and Washington, which I would love to believe in Washington, but I think Toronto will get that one. Now, real real quickly, though, back to Boston. I mean, I do think they get through that series, even without Kyrie. They still have a solid lineup. I mean, yeah. Al Horford. Marcus Morris is still very solid. Like you said, Jalen Brown is still very solid. Tatum's been playing well. Tatum, Marcus Smart is is a very good player. So I think they get out of that first round, but I think that's that's basically a, a B level team. I don't see them doing anything past They're the definitely first round. not the second best team in the East. No. Now I give you that. Like we said last week, next year will be dangerous. If they can get Kyrie back healthy, and then Gordon Hayward back healthy, all of a sudden, that's a completely different team. I think, to be honest, them being the second seed with the squad they have now is an accomplishment. Yeah, I agree. But I don't see them doing anything past the first round. Now, I'll let you jump back in Toronto. I just wanted to to get through Boston. Um, That's the big news. Kyrie's out. I think that that ruins Boston's chances for even making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they will get out of the first round. But other than that... With he, Kyrie, I could have seen them with po- Kyrie, possibly could, getting to the Conference, conference finals, finals, Yes, but not out of that. Yes. Now, with him out, I think I think Boston, it's done. Um, I see them going second round. I got a question for you. Now, as far as, you know, you have your top four. You got Toronto, Boston, Philly, and Cleveland. That bottom four, who's the team you don't want to play? In a first round series, team I don't want to play out of that yeah, bottom team four. Team you wouldn't want to play. I wouldn't want to play Milwaukee. <laughs> I agree, right there with you. That is not a team I want to play in. I mean, Indiana is a higher seed, but Indiana doesn't scare me like Milwaukee would. No, I mean Oladipo's had a ridiculous year. Yeah. So and and, and he it kind of yeah he's done well and he and he deserves all the credit yeah for uh, really carrying that team, but one. The Greek Freak. Mm-hmm. That that says it right there. Nobody wants to go anybody called the Greek Freak. Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> it's easier to say the Greek Freak. <laughs> but you got the Greek Freak, Eric Bledsoe, um, John Henson. You got Jabari Parker solid. back now. Jabari he, Parker. He missed a lot of the year. He came off the bench um, the other day. I, I think he still put up about 30. Jabari yeah. 
And Jabari I, can ball, but I, he's had injury problems. I've seen Jabari play in person, and you you talk about a, a grown man's body. I saw him play in college. I mean, his body is he he's got a big body, almost like a, a LeBron type of just a thick guy that can really use his body to create his shot. He can kind of muscle you around. He can move, yeah. but he's still athletic. So Jabari, that's very solid. Brandon Jennings, you never know if he's going to go for eight points or, <laughs> or, th- or, or 38. <laughs> no, Brandon Jennings, he, he he's kind of like a uh, poor man's Lou Williams. Yeah, he, he definitely can, is. He, he's that real slender, but he can create his own shot anytime. If he catches fire, he will go off for 20, 30 points easily. So and and you never know playoffs is a whole whole different oh it's game. a whole another story. So that that's who I would not want to play. I mean they they got Shabazz Muhammad. That's a big body down there. I totally agree. That that's what I was hoping you'd go to. That's where I'm going to as far as yeah. team you would not want to. play. I think some people would say the Pacers, but just as a basketball fan and and seeing the skills of that team, I think Milwaukee underperformed this In season. Regular, yeah, but again, that doesn't matter once you get to the playoffs. Anybody can get upset. So I don't think they're going to beat whoever they play, depending on where the seating is. But with the talent they have, they're they're definitely going to give a team some trouble. It's not going to be playing Washington and, and a relatively easy win. Yeah. Now, yeah, as it stands, they would play Philly, which Philly, I'm pulling for you, and I don't want you to pay, play Milwaukee. Can, can we touch on that real quick? Philly – Currently, the number three seed, I think that's the surprise of the season. Oh, yeah. Um, across the NBA. Yeah. Uh, maybe other Big, uh, maybe su- other than the Raptors locking in that first seed, I don't know if anybody thought the Raptors would be the number one seed, but they've been very solid all season long, and we touched on it last week, and we'll probably touch on it again here, why it's just hard to trust them come playoffs time because of their, their history. But Philly being at that number three seed as of Tuesday – Nobody expected that. And nope. now Markel Fultz is back again. I mean, he's only been playing a very short time here, but he's looked decent in the time he's been back. They, they've kind of let him get in there, get a rhythm. And I really think they've been playing him to get practice time come for playoffs. Mm-hmm. So Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, and then my rookie of the year, Ben Simmons. Yeah, that's um, some people. My some, rookie. Some people are going Donovan Mitchell, and I can't he's had, argue that. I mean, either. he's had a great year too. Um, I did see some people arguing Ben Simmons is not a true freshman or true rookie. Oh yeah, he's short. Some, you can call him a red shirt. I I don't care that that dude is balling out of his mind. Um, he's he to be honest, he's doing better than I thought he would, especially with how he was in college. I mean, he was a good player, but LSU was terrible his year I think he just did not fit into the NCAA system he was destined for the pros Um, he's one of those guys that probably could have gone straight to the NBA if the one done rule wasn't there and and flourished I I just don't think he ever bought into the college system and that's fine not everybody works out and then still can be a great NBA player Ben Simmons man he's looking like the future for the 76ers he is. He looks like a young LeBron. Now, can I add one thing, though, to the 76ers squad that I think's being overlooked? Who that is? Mr. J.J. Reddick coming over <laughs> from the Clippers, and the Clippers are officially not in the playoffs, so it looks like it was a good move for him. I think it's kind of sad for DeAndre Jordan. His whole squad 
left. dipped out. Yeah. Chris Paul's gone. Blake Griffin's gone. Um, DeAndre Jordan signed back with the Clippers a couple years ago thinking, oh, we're going to really build something here. And now he's kind of standing around looking around. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he'll be there very long. Me neither. Um, I did see he put his his mansion for sale. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, wow. So DeAndre Jordan, um, if anybody out there has a few million in the bank, you can buy his house. <laughs> so, but I think JJ Redick is going off this year. He's shooting 45% on the year. Mm-hmm. His three point percentage is 41.5%. That's yeah, 40% from the three. You yeah. Can't. 40 and up from the three. Can't ask for any better than that. 90% from the free throw line. He's JJ Redick. People are not looking at him as a scorer. He's putting up 17 a game. Hey, that's what that, he's, that's a score 17 points per game that makes a big difference yeah and I think people look to him more as like a Kyle Korver or as far as like getting it all behind the line that's, spot up shooter but JJ Reddick can put it I think on it, the floor a lot of it yeah he I think it was a lot easier for him to just be a spot up shooter in LA with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul can just drive in and yeah. find the open man they had great ball movement JJ Reddick definitely had to create more of his own shots here but I think he's doing great. He's his career average points per game is about twelve and a half points per game. Oh, so he's blowing that out of the so, water. So here he is being an older player, veteran player, but he's coming in this season. And I think in the playoffs, people are gonna be looking at what what's Embiid gonna do, Ben Simmons, um, like I said, maybe even Markel Fultz, Sarik, um, depending on how his elbow heals up yeah. from that infection we talked about last week. But be on the lookout. They they have another don't, weapon in JJ Reddick. Don't sleep on JJ. So don't sleep on the white man. <laughs> don't sleep. Hey, white dude from Duke usually doesn't have a great uh, NBA career. JJ Reddick's balling out. So he's he's not Christian Leitner. I'll say that. <laughs> I got a, another question for you. Bring it. Well, two questions. Bring them. <laughs> All right. So you got your eight seeds in the East. Who's your dark horse to make it to the finals? To the finals or the conference finals? Make it to the finals. Make it to the finals? Dark horse. Dark horse. To win the East. To to win the East. Okay, so this is my dark horse, not necessarily who well, I you, think yeah, who you is think? going to win. Yeah. The way it's set up now, I think Philly has a kind of a a shot. To make it to the conference finals, and here's why: they're looking at the the number three seed. Cleveland is the number four seed as of Tuesday. Toronto again. Hey, Toronto. I'm kind of looking over them, but they have been playing solid. There's a good chance Toronto goes through. This isn't my conference finals pick. My conference finals pick. I think Toronto and Cleveland are going to meet up. But dark horse. There's a very real possibility that say Philly and Cleveland both make it to the conference finals. Yep. If Philly has home court advantage, I mean they have been playing together all year. I know LeBron's going off, but they have not been that team has not been playing together all year. Yeah. This Cavs team basically became a whole new roster after the trade deadline. I think Philly again, they're young. They might not have that mental fortitude it takes to to win a best of seven because that's completely different than the regular season where you're playing one night and you're on to another city. Mm-hmm. But 
And everybody knows it gets a lot more defensive in the playoffs. You have time to really game plan and key in on the team you're playing. But if they have home court against Cleveland, I'm not saying it's it's impossible for them to get to be the conference champs. What about you? Well, my dark horse is Philly. Okay. If you look, let's say you look at the the seeds are now. Let's say they lock they're locked up for this weekend for the playoffs. You have Toronto, Washington, Boston, Miami, Philly, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Indiana. Top four seeds can probably easily win that, right? As far as I know, we talked about Milwaukee, and that's a team you don't want to play. Exactly. So they got top four seeds. So let's say second round: Toronto, Cleveland, Boston, Philly. For Philly, that's a winnable series against Boston. So then you're looking at Toronto and Cleveland, which Cleveland over Toronto. I've, that, I've said this many times. That's the big toss I don't have any faith in Toronto in the playoffs. So Toronto, again, they have been solid. I think they've done better than people expected. And it's not just their their history in the playoffs. It's their history against LeBron. It, it's, well, they, it seems like there's something about when LeBron gets on their court. When, when, he, when he comes into town, they know who the real king is. Exactly. And, hey, LeBron has been going off this year. I think LeBron in the playoffs against Toronto could definitely carry his team. Yeah, how you said LeBron's going off. I saw this interesting stat today, actually. So as far as if you add your points per game, assists per game, and rebounds per game, if you add that up, LeBron is averaging 45.6, and that's the highest in his career. Now that's your points per game, your assists per game, and rebounds per game. You add that up, so pretty much your stats per game, essentially, would be 45.6, which that's the highest in his career. And we all know he's been playing out of this world. And another interesting fact, well, I thought it was really caught me off guard, was if he plays on Wednesday, the last game of the year, will be the first time in his career that he's played all 82 games. Now that's interesting. Yeah, and that's just, just something that I always, I have never thought of. But, I mean, yeah, he's had – I know he's had back problems before. He's twisted his ankle a couple of times. But I've just never actually thought about it until I saw that stat today. You know what it is? This might be one of the first seasons he's had to play 82 games to keep his team up in that upper echelon. This is very true. I mean, because you look at the years of Miami, Spolster would rest them all the time, their big three, Wade, Bosh, mm-hmm. and LeBron. Because they didn't, they didn't need to play. Yeah, they, I mean, they would get a huge lead. They'd be up twenty games in the East, and they wouldn't have to worry about it. But I do agree too. This probably is the only year where he had to play all eighty-two. Because he plays all eighty-two, they're fighting for the third, fourth seed, no. and that's ridiculous. And that just shows how great LeBron's career has. You're playing all eighty-two games, and you're fighting for the fourth seed. You're the best player in the NBA, and I think all time. And you're in the third. Nate, if you win Wednesday, Philly loses Wednesday, you're in the third seed. And it's just crazy to think about that. Now, let me rewind that real quick. I just want to make this clear. I'm not getting into this argument now. But you just said LeBron's the GOAT. I think he is the greatest all time. All right, we'll touch on that in another show. But I just want to make sure. I didn't want to let you just kind of Put that maybe, out there. Maybe, maybe I slipped though. And, and go and keep going. I wanted to make sure you made that clear. You think LeBron's the the best of all time. So, 
I will say this. It's been scary watching LeBron here these last couple of months. I think he looks more athletic than he did even at the start of the season. Some of these he's a, athletic plays, he, some of these dunks he's been having are like rookie LeBron where he'd just jump out the gym. But what's scary is he's shooting the three better than I've ever seen LeBron. Well, see, that's what we've always said throughout his career. Make him shoot. Go under the screen. Make him shoot. Because we all know he can get to the hole against anybody. Mm-hmm. He can guard anybody. He can do whatever he wants on the court, but he never really had that shooting to go with it. So that's always been the defense. Like, just let him shoot. Don't let him take it in. For one, he's going to get a foul. And worse, he'll get an and one because he's so big and strong. But now he's added that shooting element, and it's just, what do you do with him? Now, I will say this, and this is something I, I just read. Um, Cavs are definitely preparing for the playoffs. They're ramping up. They did just sign Kendrick Perkins to their playoff roster. They're my favorite now. <laughs> Kendrick Perkins is going to turn him around. No, he was he was on their preseason roster. They cut him. I'll give it to Kendrick Perkins. He's been grinding in the G League. Um, he stuck it out as, as a guy. You're you're an NBA vet who's been on some great teams. I know me. I would not go down to the G League and just play, hoping to get called up. I would, if anything, I'd be working out on my own, hoping hey. a team calls me. So so shout out to Kendrick Perkins. That's great of him. I mean, really shows some work ethic and really just love of the game. Yeah, to, to go down and play with these G Leaguers. I mean, could you imagine being on? A team, holy crap, that's Kendrick Perkins on our roster. Yeah, I mean, and you go, as far as Kendrick Perkins, you go from, you've played in Boston with the big three. You played in OKC with Westbrook and Kevin Durant. You've played with LeBron. And now you're going to kids that are somewhat NBA, now I don't want to say rejects, but the NBA hopefuls. You're playing with them. And maybe he did it for... I mean, yeah, he lo- obviously loves the game. Maybe he did it for exercise, fitness reasons. Well, that's what I said. He, when he was in Boston, he, he was really he, overweight. He was little, OKC, I think he got in shape, though. And Yeah, and then when he went to OKC, it's like one year he was like, I'm not eating anymore. And he lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. He got in great shape. So maybe he did it for exercise reasons. And I'll say this. We just talked about the playoffs. Everything really does slow down. It becomes a lot more defensive. Now, all of a sudden, you got some big bodies. You you just added another enforcer. You got now you got Tristan Thompson and Kendrick Perkins coming off the bench. So Cavs are definitely ramping up. Um I think that's gonna be the Eastern Conference Finals is Toronto and Philadelphia or Toronto and Cleveland. Philadelphia is my dark horse where I could see it happening, which you would have asked me before the season. There's no way in hell I would have said <laughs> Philadelphia could make it Eastern Conference Finals. Now well, there's no way in hell they'll so sure. be in the three seed. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, if at best I could see them seven or eight, but they're in the three seed. So, hey, they a lot of people said for the whole process to work for Sam Hinkie to really kind of make his legacy, Philadelphia needed to get a 50 win season. Well, as of Tuesday, they're 50 and 30. All right, one last thing before we move into the Western Conference, the real conference that matters. <laughs> nah, but so your dark horse is Philly. My dark horse is Philly. Your favorite, what what your head is telling you and your heart's telling you, man. See that it's, it's almost re- easier to pick a dark horse than the uh, 
who I really think is going to win. I mean, my, mine's pretty pretty easy as far as who I think is going to win. Let me take a, a guess of your pick before I do my pick. All right. You're going to say Cleveland. Oh, yeah. The East runs through LeBron. It always has been, and it always will until he goes to the West, if he does. He's not going to the West, but no. he's got it too easy to go to the West. Why would he put himself in that that mess? Exactly. I don't know why all these players are going to the West, but... So, hmm. Just real quick, I don't. Even, I really don't even want any thoughts. I'm not going like to break it down. When you look at the one through eight, this the again. This hurts me to say because I want this team to prove me wrong. I want this team. I want to look back on this podcast in a few weeks and say, "Man, that team made me sound so dumb." <laughs> but I think Cleveland beats Toronto, and if you've watched the regular season. You see that Toronto team. You see the people they have on there. Again, you got two all stars. I mean, you got DeRozan, Lowry, Lowry, Ibaka. Like we talked about, they are a solid team. But, huh, I just don't trust them. And I want them to make me look dumb, but no thought into it. I do say, I just can't doubt LeBron in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, not not the whole NBA, but I can't doubt LeBron with whoever he's got. Like like I said last week, I showed you that roster that he had in 07 when he went to the finals, and that roster was doo doo. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, I gotta go LeBron, K Love, solid squad. They're making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're gonna win whoever they're playing. I agree. Now let's get to the West. Okay, so going into the West. Again, this is not a lock, but as of Tuesday, here's what we're looking at. Houston, they have locked in that number one seed. We touched on that last week. They're not going anywhere, even if they slow down a little bit here the last couple of days of the season. They've slowed down really the last couple of weeks of the season. They're looking towards the playoffs. They already locked in that number one seed. Golden State, they have locked in that number two seed. Um... Again, Steph Curry confirmed out for that first round of the playoffs. I'm not going to cry over it, though. They still have KD, (laughs) Clay with a K, Draymond. I mean, I don't feel bad for the Warriors at all. Of course, it's more fun when Steph Curry's on the court. But Golden State's got that number two seed locked in, so they're just going to rest until here at the end of the season. So your number three through eight seeds here as of Tuesday – Portland, your number three seed. Utah Jazz, your number four. The Pelicans in at the number five seed. San Antonio Spurs and the Pelicans, that's without DeMarcus Cousins. Your San Antonio Spurs are at number six. Oklahoma City, they're at number seven. And then that number eight seed, like we just discussed, that's a play-in game. It's either Minnesota or Denver Wednesday night. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, and the as you have the Hockett, the Rockets, and the Warriors at one and two. But other than that, three through seven are all separated by one game. Three and four, you got Portland at three, Utah at four. They're separated by half a game. And then five, six, and seven, you got the Pelicans, Spurs, and Thunder. They're all they're all tied. And then the Timberwolves at eight, as long as well as the Nuggets. At nine, looking looking out, looking in. They're a game behind that. 
so this last game really has so much riding on it as far as who gets in the playoffs and what seeds. Who's going to get that home court advantage? You know, I mean, that's coming out of that number four seed. You want to be at that number four seed. Oh Yeah, exactly. And so depending on how Wednesday turns out or even Tuesday, Tuesday night, these teams are playing for something. Yeah, they've locked a playoff seed. I mean, they've locked a playoff spot, but they haven't locked a seed yet. So they're playing for home court advantage. And all you can do is go out there and win. You can only control what you can control. Exactly. So you can't you can't go out there, play bad, lose, like, oh, man, I hope they lose too. Hope, hope somebody else. Don't leave it in the other person's hands. Exactly. So you take care of business and you win. I know another interesting thing, interesting thing I see – Let's look at the East. I know we just talked about it. The Milwaukee Bucks, they're six in the six in the East at 44 and 37. If you brought them to the West, they would be in the 10th seed. Yep. They'd be behind Denver, just above the Clippers. Yeah. So you're looking at a sixth seed in the East would be 10th seed in the West. So when you're looking at those records, I mean, Portland has 48 wins on the season. Utah has 47. New Orleans has 47. San Antonio has 47. OKC has 47. Now, again, this is all as of Tuesday. Come Thursday, all of this will be done and sealed in the record books. Now, let me ask you this. Just taking a look at these teams' records, where they're at in the seeding, OKC is down at that number seven seed with a 47 and 34 record, right? Yep. yep. Okay. In your opinion, has Oklahoma City underperformed this year? Straight off the top of the head, yes. I do agree. I mean, you added Mello. I mean, granted, a lot of people say he's past his prime, he's done. But he's still a great offensive threat. But you added one of the best. Young players, rising players in the league, and Paul George. I think that the knock on Melo is he doesn't play defense. But if you look at his career accolades, he's considered the most decorated U.S. Olympian in basketball of all time. He's been on every Olympic team, and from all accounts, he was a leader on these last couple Olympic teams. He, He really grew into that leadership role. So even if he's a little bit past his prime, he's maybe not the best defensive player, don't you still expect a guy that offensively skilled with that leadership ability coming in? He's almost a knock on the team now. Once you think him coming in, the addition of Paul George, who's a great two-way player. I mean, yes. sick defensive player, one of the best offensive players that was in the Eastern Conference that now came over to the West. The addition of those two, you're you're paying all that money out, adding to your salary cap, and your record as of Tuesday is 47 and 34. That's with the addition of those two guys. Now, last year, Westbrook won MVP for averaging a triple-double, carrying that team. Westbrook was doing all the work. He was the only option. Him and... Steven Adams is a, is a great player, but he's not scoring your points. He's not winning your games, yes. but you definitely want him on your team. Now you look at OKC, 
with Westbrook last year as really the only option, their record was 47 and 35. That's crazy. As we stand here on Tuesday, their record is 47 and 34. So say they they lose this last game of the season, they finish with the exact same record that they had last year with the addition of two Eastern All-Stars in Melo and Paul George. In my opinion, that's the definition of underperforming. You added these two guys and it made zero difference in how you perform that season. I mean, it's totally true. Like, if you added these two guys, shouldn't you be a lot better? So then you start looking at, so what was the problem? Is it the coaching? Is it Billy Donovan? And there there has been some talk of that, that Donovan's not the best X's and O's, that he kind of lets the players go do whatever they want. And I've heard that for years. But still, even with not a great coach, when you have all-time great NBA talent, I mean, Melo will make the Hall of Fame, even with some of his abilities that people don't like. Again, not not ever really a defensive player. Kind of looked at as a selfish player throughout his career. But you add two all-stars to your roster, and your record doesn't change at all. I mean, at some point, the front office has to think, what are we spending money, money on? on? Yeah. Or, what? yeah, what are you making moves for? Yeah. And now, let me flip it around. Is this Does this look detrimental on Westbrook? <laughs> That's a good question. Is, is, this, is this, let me phrase it this way. When KD left the Thunder... The big knock was it's because Westbrook doesn't know how to play with other great players. Westbrook wants to be the guy. And that's why last year he had nobody else on his team. He was able to do whatever he wanted, average a triple-double, won MVP, but they still lost in the first round because it, it wasn't a great team. It was a great individual performance. Do you think this is a knock on Westbrook that's kind of reinforcing that idea that he doesn't know how to play with other great players? And that's a little different angle than what we had originally discussed, but that's kind of how it's looking is he already drove KD away by all accounts. Paul George loves playing there. But again, when you look at the, at the team's record, you're only as good as you perform. Yeah. So when I look at it, as far as them having the same record as last year or possibly a game better, one game better, I don't, I think Melo and Paul George is better than one game improvement, you know? So you look at, maybe it's the defense. You start thinking about that. I know I'm kind of avoiding your what Russell Westbrook <laughs> question because that is a tough one. And as you know, Westbrook's my boy and I've always rolled with him. But I don't, I don't want to say it's because of him, but I also don't want to say maybe or, I mean, I also don't want to say it's not because of him. So, that's that makes sense. I mean, the only time he's, he's played well with other great players is when they made it to the finals. And and him and KD made it to a Western Conference Finals on their own. They made it to a NBA, NBA finals, finals with James Harden as which, well. And we all saw that team. Was like, they were just man, too young. This team's going to be yeah, the future. They, they were just They're too just young. young. Yeah. But 
they made it to a, a finals or a conference finals with just KD and Westbrook, but still the knock is Westbrook's not the best to play with if you're another superstar. And I'm not, I agree with you that that might not necessarily be the problem, but he's not helping his total view. He's not helping his, his case when you bring in two other all-stars and your team really doesn't do any better. Well, when you, when you let me know in the pre-show meeting about the, how the thunder are only made possibly a game better since last year, I was like, so maybe it's the defense. Cause you, you start to think, Westbrook was the offense, the only option that you had last year. But then you had PG and Melo, you should get a lot better. So I started to look at, well, maybe Melo's always being hyped on about his defense. So I was like, maybe it's the defense. Maybe that's why. This year, their opponent's points per game is 104. Last year, okay. it was 106. It's only two points per game. And yeah. if anything, it's better this year. By two points. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're keeping their opponents to less. You added two offensive weapons. So again, you would think you you would have at least at least five games better, if not more. Yeah. I, I couldn't knock them if they were if, if they had a a fifty win season. I I, I wouldn't knock them. Mm-hmm. But they're sub fifty, same record, and the fact that you just said they're holding their opponents to two points less per game. Now that's not a huge difference, but it, it is, it's not a big difference from last year. Yeah. Like you would it, expect. It's, it's not, yeah, it's not enough to, uh, as far as like sway the numbers as far as it's like, Oh, well this is the reason why. Cause the defense you're allowing, you allowed more points and so on and so forth. So then I look at the offense last year. They averaged 106 this year. They're averaging 107. So you're scoring more, see, but your defense is better. See, that's it's that's not enough of a difference. That, no, to it's me. not. So you can't even look at the stats and say, "Oh, this is why." So they're basically they're gaining a point on offense. They're gaining two points better defensively. That's that's not worth these two big all star names. No, it's not. And that's that's very surprising to me. And I think the Thunder almost need to be in panic mode and kind of figure out what they, are we going to do? Cause we only, they only have Westbrook for so long. Those, Westbrook can only take it for so long. Those of you who follow NBA free agency over the summer, Sam Presti was getting GM of the year because he made these two big moves in the off season. Everybody, it was almost unanimous said, OKC had the best off season. Yes. Because they brought in these two players and it was going to make a difference. And now looking at the numbers, record-wise, defensive averages, offensive averages, it, it was basically no difference at all. So what the heck's going on with OKC? I think they're underperforming. They either need to reevaluate it or, and again, I hate to say it, but all that talk of Westbrook can't play with other All-Stars, hey, KD left for a reason, it might be true. Yeah, so... It brings us to the original point. Like, is Westbrook the problem? Well, looking at the stats, you can't blame it on anything else. But, I mean, you still can't put it all on Westbrook. Because, I mean, top five player, phenomenal player. So, you have to start to look like, what is the problem? That's a good question. That's 
I'm going to go ahead and say, and I hate to say it, I do like Westbrook. I think he's a great player, but you got to look at a record. I mean, and it, if KD was never on his team and KD had never left, then I would be looking at this as an anomaly. But the fact that the whole KD saga happened and now here you get two more great players and it's made no difference, I have to go with the the common factor, and that's Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, I'd hate to agree, but I'm going to hold off on that. I want to see what we do – what we – what they do in the playoffs. Biased. <laughs> no, I'm not biased at all. But, I mean, yeah, if you look at the West, let's say the West gets locked up the way it is. Let's say the seeds stay the same. Look who OKC's playing first round. Yeah, That's, that they're, if, if OKC plays Golden State in that first round, that will be an exciting series. So much drama. KD will have that. some fire to him. Westbrook will have some fire to him. That might be the most exciting series in the league. Yeah, and maybe OKC, they've, maybe they've tried to jail all season. They get the playoff. We all know season starts over when you get the playoffs. So maybe... I, I, that's true. That's true. Melo and PG, I mean, Melo hadn't had great stats in the playoffs. Granted, he's only been a handful of times in, during his long career. But maybe they maybe they all of a sudden put together. Now I will say this, the, and, and maybe part of the more disappointing fact is that they're tied, or they might be a seed under the Spurs, and that's a Spurs team without Kawhi Leonard. Ba- basically, hasn't played all season. Yeah. Now they ha- they have good talent. They got Lamarcus Aldridge. They got Paul Gasol, who, I mean, he's he's up there in age. He's not moving like he once did, but he's still Paul Gasol. You got Rudy Gay, Danny Green. You, you got some solid players. Now, we'll, I do want to give a shout-out. Manu Ginobili is 40 years old. Him He's and Vince Carter it. are the two oldest players in the league. Manu is still athletic. He's still playing like he doesn't know he's 40 years old. And I got to say this. I used to hate the Spurs. I was not a fan of the big three back in the day. It's kind of like LeBron. I've come to respect them, but I'm not a huge fan. But, man, Manu Ginobili, he's had some dunks this year. And really, over his his career, he's such a underrated he's dunker, very, very I mean, underrated. Yeah, he he's he's a little taller than you or I, but he can jump over people. I mean, you remember he embarrassed Chris Bosh back in the finals when they were playing the Heat. So Manu Ginobili, just want to give a quick shout out to him. He is going off at his age, um, and he has the Spurs there at the number six seed as of Tuesday. So. Well, let's move on. OKC, I think they're underwhelming. You think they're they're underperforming. We just I kind do. of differ on the reasons why. So going into the west rest of the Western Conference, let's just jump ahead. Western Conference Finals. Who, Who do you I got? got? I'll start with this. My dark horse. All right. I'll start with my dark horse. I'm going to start with my dark horse to get to the finals. To play my other dark horse, Philadelphia. <laughs> in the finals? <laughs> yes. My dark horse in the West is that team we were just talking about, OKC. Depending on, they got all the talent there if they could possibly put it together. I know that's a stretch. That might be more of a stretch than Philadelphia in the East. But that's just my dark horse. But yeah, looking at the Western Conference Finals, who's going to be in there? Houston and Golden State. 
I mean, to me, they're clearly the best two teams. I mean, usually it's in the last couple of years, Golden State's been so far up against far above the the West. But now you have this Houston Rockets team with the addition of Chris Paul that they're all of a sudden the cream of the crop. And I think Golden State takes offense to that. And I think Golden State's just been coasting all year. We both think that. They know they know when the season starts. Like we said last week, they're they're in that that senior spring break. They don't care. They're looking like they're looking to the finals. They're looking to that Western Conference Finals and then on to the finals. They're not too concerned with seeding. I don't think they're too concerned. I mean, I hate to say that everybody wants home court advantage, but I think Golden State knows they can go light you up wherever they're at. Oh yeah. Like their mentality get me to the third weekend of April. And then we're going to start playing. In this first series, if it lines up, Golden State and OKC, KD's averaging 50. <laughs> I know that's a, a bold take, but there'd be so much drama in that series. But, yeah, back to what you said, I got Houston and Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Okay, well, I'll take it over. Let's see. If I had to pick a dark horse, I mean, I almost don't have a dark horse in the West just because those top two teams are so far above everybody. But you picked OKC. I think that's ridiculous. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. If I had to pick a dark horse, I'd go ahead and pick Portland. I mean, Portland's just head and shoulders above the bottom four, five, six, seven, eight seed. Um, I mean, New Orleans, you got Anthony Davis. You shut him down. DeMarcus Cousins is out. You basically stop the team. San Antonio they're not athletic enough without a Kawhi Leonard to really run with those other teams, Houston, Golden State, OKC. We just went in depth about their problems. I don't trust them going into the playoffs at all because they haven't been able to gel during the regular season. And then Minnesota or Denver, whoever wins into the eighth seed, I'm not worried about either of them. So Portland, that's that would be my dark seed. I mean, I can't ever – again, I'm a big fan of Dame – uh, Damian Lillard, he's solid. CJ McCollum's solid. They even have Shabazz Napier. Uh, Damian Lillard was out a little bit in the season. Shabazz Napier really stepped up and kind of matured. Um, Evan Turner's another really solid guard they have. So I like Portland as a dark horse if I have to pick one. But then again, let's go to being realistic. That Western Conference Finals, it's going to be Houston and Golden State. Uh, before we even start the playoffs, that's easy to tell. Houston, best scoring team in the league. James Harden, unstoppable. Chris Paul is unstoppable. I was just hearing how Dan Tony. This might be the team where he's been the most hands off. Um, which kind of let them do their thing. He is hands off anyway, more than most of the league. But really, with having those two talents on his team, he's really able to say, "You create something." and either pass it or shoot it. I trust either of you, and it's working out. So, Houston's on fire. I think, to be honest, making it all the way to the conference finals for Golden State, they'll make it to the conference finals. Getting out of the Western Conference, now I do think that depends on if Steph comes back. I don't think it's a lot. A lot's riding on that. Even just with, again, you still look at the team, KD, Clay, Draymond, JaVale, Zaza. <laughs> I mean, 
Golden State's Golden State. They're great. Nobody's going to knock them. I They're my favorite to come out of the West. But I do think if Steph either does not come back, say like a Kyrie Irving situation where they keep telling us, oh, he's going to miss the first round, and then say we get partway through the first round and say, oh, he might miss part of the second round. If he keeps missing, there's a possibility that Houston wins. If Heck, he could be out the whole playoffs, and they're just not trying to let that information out, just like Boston kind of was. So I think Golden State coming out of the West all relies on Curry. Again, I think the Western Conference, Houston, Golden State, easy finals, easy Western Conference Finals matchup, but when it comes to who's making it out of there, I think Curry is what it all rides on. If Curry's not there, I would take Houston, even though I I don't trust their pedigree. I don't trust them in the playoffs without Steph, and that's Golden State's leader. I mean, Draymond is the leader on the floor, but it's, it's a morale boost when you know you have Steph out there and teams have to plan for Steph Curry, who can take two steps past the half-court line and throw one up. I mean, defenses have to plan for that. Yes. So if you don't have Steph Curry on the floor, that lets the other team's defense really key in on what they need to focus on. So that's my pick. It's too early to say I have to see what's going on with Steph later in the playoffs. Yeah, and I agree, I agree with you. KD can get them there to the Western Conference Finals, but I think for them to get past Houston, they will need Steph. And I do I do think Steph will come back. I mean, we haven't heard anything as far as recently, as far as his rehab and how his injury is going. But they I think they like to keep a, a tight ship. So I think they're kind of keeping it under wraps on how that's all going. But it's going to be fun. I mean, the playoffs are here, right here. Playoffs are here. By the time you're listening to this, the seeds are set, standings are set, regular season will be over, and uh, we'll be on to the playoffs. Okay, it's time for Last Call. So this is the end of the show. This is something we didn't really get to touch on during the show. We had so much great content to touch on MLB, NBA, but this is just a quick story we we had to get off our chest right here in Last Call. Last week, AJ came at you with his last call. With Ibrahimovic and the Lion to America. <laughs> so last week it was Ibrahimovic showing out in his, in his American debut. This week, I'm going to touch on something. So this story just came out Tuesday. Andrew Luck, the Colts quarterback, is rehabbing out of an injury. And it came out today. He has not thrown the football throughout his recovery. Now, that might not sound like a big deal. It's still still got a ways till the NFL season. But you have to be concerned that he's not even picked up the football and thrown it. Now, he held a press conference. His excuse was that in previous injuries, he skipped steps of his rehab to get back onto the field quicker. And he said this time he's not skipping any steps. He's going through the process exactly how it is meant to be done. So that might sound all right on his end. Yes, you want him to be healthy. You want him to recover fully and not rush to get back on the field like maybe he has done in the past. But here we are almost halfway through April 
and he has not picked up a football. He he sat all last season. My question to you, AJ, this is my last call. Is it time to kind of worry about Andrew Luck coming out of Stanford? I heard comparisons that I heard comparisons to Dan Marino. I mean, some of these greats that Andrew Luck was the future of the league, that he was going to be an all-time great quarterback. Now, he has been decent thus far, but he's been nicked up. He's been hurt. The fact that he's not even throwing a football yet with, with this rehab stint, my question to you is, is it time to kind of worry about his legacy? Do you think he's going to be the the great all-timer that we heard about coming out of college? And my answer to that is no. For me, it's like, what have you shown me? He hasn't played a full 16 games in the season since 2014. 2015, he missed nine games. 2016, he missed one game. Didn't play at all last year. And it's always, it seems like there's always this injury bug. At, yeah. Like nagging him. It's all, it just seems like it kind of, there's always something. And that's not a knock on him. There's been no, other quarterbacks not. that just, they have one little thing kind of keeping them from being at 100%. Hey, even Robert Griffin the third has never been what we saw his rookie year. Um, definitely great news to hear. He just got signed uh, last week. Yeah, RG three's back in the league. Great news. Nobody wishes any bad upon these guys, but Andrew Luck does not seem like this all time great that I heard about back in 2010, 2011, coming out of the league or coming out of college into the league. I mean, you look at his stats. 2014, he says last time he played 16 games, that was his third year in the league. Statistically, his best year. Yeah, his best year. He threw for 4,761 yards, 40 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, had a rating of 96.5. That's that's very solid. That's I think that's everybody thought, okay, he's becoming what we thought he needed to become. Yeah, and you look at as far as his rookie year. His rookie year, his second year, and his third year in 2014 – they went to the playoffs all three years. So his rookie year, 23 touchdowns, 18 picks, 76.5 pass rating. 2013, 23 pick, uh, touchdowns, 9 picks. So he cut down on the picks, 87 passer rating. 2014, his best statistically his best year, went to the AFC Championship, 40 touchdowns, 16 picks, and a 96.5 passer rate. So, yeah, so you, as a Colts fan and even as a football fan, Going into 2015, you're like, man, yeah, this guy's the next real deal. And the hype was on him for sure. But he gets injured, misses nine games. Comes back in 2016, missed one game. Got injured. Nags missed all of 2017. Even 2016 was still a solid year for him. Yes, definitely. So him coming in, he's shown these flashes that keep people hopeful. And granted, there's been a lot of dysfunction within the Colts organization. He has never had the best offensive line or offense in general. His GM has kind of mishandled some things. People say the training staff has possibly mishandled some things with him. So it's not a knock on Andrew Luck. If he can't stay healthy, it's not a knock on him. And he might still go on to be a very solid quarterback. But the fact that here we are in April and he's not even to the point where he's picking up a football and he sat out all last season as well. 
makes me worried. I don't think he's going to be this Dan Marino-esque player that I heard about six years ago. Yeah, and like you said, we don't wish bad luck on anybody. No pun intended with luck. But uh, no, we'd love to see him come back. I don't think he can come back to that level. Especially, you know, right now the draft's right around the corner in a couple weeks. And then you got player-guided workouts that are coming up. And he hadn't picked up a football yet. So we'll have to see. It's going to take some time. And he's 28. And that's part of what worries me is he's not 23, 24 working through this. He's 28, basically going on 30. And, again, quarterbacks can play much longer than a lot of other positions in the league. But I don't know if he's going to be that great talent. He still might be a great quarterback for the Colts. He still might have a season where he's one of the top performers. But I don't know if he's going to be – an all-timer like we were told he would be coming out of college. And that is my last call. So thank you, everybody, for listening to week two of the Ballers on Tap podcast. Again, please subscribe and rate us. Leave us a review on iTunes or the podcast app on your iPhone. You can follow us on Stitcher. You can follow us on www.ballersontap.com. Or, of course, come over to Twitter and find us at Ballers on Tap. We would love for you on any of those platforms to leave us a review of, give us some suggestions. What beer would you like us to try? We're always open to try something new. For example, AJ was not wild about this week's beer, but we got it suggested to us. Hey, I was a fan. Good suggestion. We appreciate it. Let us know anything you want to talk about. We want us to be a back and forth between us and you guys. So if you have a story you want us to talk about, we'll definitely check it out. Again, subscribe, like us, rate us. That definitely helps us out. And until then, AJ, you got anything to add? I just want to say, just reiterate, yeah, follow us on Twitter, Podbean. Subscribe to us on the podcast, on the iTunes. And just, yeah, if you want to know anything about the show, especially on Twitter, I'm always on Twitter. We're always checking it. So if you have any ideas, just shoot it to us. We'll get back to you. And we appreciate everything. And again, that is a wrap for week two. We appreciate it, everybody. And uh, be on the lookout next week. We'll really be able to get into some NBA playoffs because they will be locked in. So everybody have a good week. See you next week. Ballers on tap. <laughs>